This is Alyssa Lenick of Littlest Fitness. And I'm Kate, otherwise known as Coach Carmichael. We are PhD students, endurance athletes who lift, outdoors enthusiasts, and entrepreneurs. We believe the narrative of the fitness and wellness industry is often far too extreme. So forget about the black and white messages that you've heard. On this podcast, we believe that life is best lived in the messy middle. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to the Messy Middle Podcast. Today's episode <laughs> is a little informal. Um, today's episode is going to be the recap of my 100K ultramarathon. I just finished um, last – I was running it a, a week, week ago. Today. Yeah, yeah, I finished it um, last Sunday, so almost exactly a week ago. So I've recovered at this point from it. Um, so what we're going to do is we took a bunch of questions from you guys, what you wanted to hear about. So I'm going to recap my race, walk you through what the heck happened out there, why the hell I'd run 100K <laughs> to begin with. And then we'll do a Q&A at the end where we actually answer the things that you guys wanted to hear about the most. So I am- Actually, that's not true. I'm just interlacing the questions that oh. people had. Never mind. Kate's going to make sure yeah. that I answer everything you guys wanted to know <laughs> as I share the recap of my race. Yeah. In a logical um, order. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not in charge here. <laughs> um, so Kate's going to, Kate's going to lead the way and I am yes. just going to share my story. So I hope you guys um, are excited by it. We're going to talk a, maybe a little bit about what came before, but a lot of what happened during. Um, yeah. So I want to give you guys the the reminder that I kind of gave in my Instagram before this is that I don't want you guys to necessarily be inspired, quote unquote, um, by the race, what I did, what I accomplished. I want you to, to remember that there was eight months of very, very, very hard, deliberate training that came before this. And so it wasn't like I just showed up and did something really cool. This was a very long, hard process. So this race recap is just like the, that was the last 30 or last 64 miles that I had to do. Which is a great place to start because as you made perfectly aware, racing is not a show up on the day and it gets done type of situation. There's a lot of years of training that go into it even prior to the decision that you sign up for that particular race. So um, for context, can you rewind? I know you have... Um, a lot of history with different sports and various um, modalities, but in terms of just your trail running history, when did you begin and how has your like distance progressed over your lifetime essentially, as opposed to, um, you know, just what you did right up into the hundred K. Yeah. So I think it's really important to frame when we talk about any fitness and athletic accomplishment is like training age and experience prior to that. So I definitely mm -hmm. took my time to get into trail and ultra running, but I also had, I mean, I've been an athlete my whole life. So it's not like I just woke up one day and decided I was going to start running, which you can absolutely do. And I encourage you to do. Um, but the time course of that turnover can be quicker at that point. So for anyone here who doesn't know my full story, I started running when I was like 14, the summer after eighth grade. And I played, started playing lacrosse. So I probably was like seventh or eighth grade when I actually started getting exposed to running. Um, and I ran throughout high school to train for lacrosse. Obviously I did a, a field sport. So that was a lot of running, a lot of run training. And then I also did, uh, indoor track and cross country in high school. So I actually did like kind of trail run a little bit in high school, at least like I, that we ran on trails when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. That's like what we yep. did. So, um, but we obviously didn't ever race more than a 5K, uh, but we did quite a bit of running when I was there. So I was exposed to running. I had a running base. Um, and then I went into college and played lacrosse for two years, and I still ran a lot to train for that. And then once I left lacrosse, I did three Tough mutters, which at that point during those, the longest I had ran, I had built up to a 10-mile long run. So it wasn't like I just woke up one day and decided to trail run. Um, but the biggest thing though is that I took a big hiatus from endurance training and running and I got really into powerlifting, which you guys may know about. And so really my ultra and outdoor journey starts coming back from there. Yeah. So I definitely took a huge hiatus on any conditioning type stuff. And so it was the summer of 2016 was the first time I ever ran on trails. That wasn't like my high school type experience. Um, I was, I volunteered at a couple ultras in college and had been exposed to it. And I think I had one girl take me on like a couple trail runs with her that summer. I thought that was really cool. I remember my very first trail run. It was like super magical and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, and had done a little bit of hiking and stuff, but then between college and my master's, I started to get more into outdoors as you guys know that I'm into. 
And so I was the summer of 2016. It was actually when Regis had just moved to um, back to Kentucky. And he started his master's, transferred back into our lab and program. This is like before I hated him, then dated him. <laughs> um, and <laughs> before the hate and date. And he was like, hey, there's a three-mile trail downtown that you could run on. And I had no idea. So I was go- he knew that I was like starting to get into poor outdoor stuff. Didn't really know the guy, but he suggested it. So I started to do these like three-mile runs. Um on this, or I would run to it, which was like a, maybe a mile and a half. So maybe like six miles total where I would just do these little tiny exposures to it. Or I'd go down there in the morning and run before I went to work and it was hot and humid and horse flies would chase you and it was miserable and like hard, right? Like, I don't think anyone who hasn't started trail run, I don't want to discourage you, but like when you first start trail running, it's always just like really, it's just so hard. It's just different. (laughs) Um, it's just hard and it's different. Um, I've always ran, but it was just, you know, it's trail. So I then went to Colorado for the first time ever that summer. And I remember like I had still been lifting quite a bit. I started running more that spring, but I had some weird injury where I didn't really work out from. I, I just was very de-trained, deconditioned. Um, and so I remember going to Colorado and to, in my defense, I got altitude sick, but I remember feeling like the most out of shape, untrained, weak piece of shit in the world. And I never wanted to feel that way ever again. And I promised myself I never would. Um, and so then I went to Zion, did a backpacking trip, felt so much more in shape for that. And then once I finished that, I came back that spring and I decided I wanted to run a half marathon. So I did the, my first trail mm-hmm. half and then I went out west um, with Regis and my friend for the summer and we accidentally did a 30-mile day because Regis read the map wrong. And I remember <laughs> finishing that run hike thing um, and looking at Regis and going, is that what it's like to run an ultra? Because I was just really scared of the idea of an ultra. It seemed really impossible, really daunting, really physically impossible. And I know a lot of you feel that way. And he's like, yeah, pretty much except for you're better trained. And I was like, oh, because that wrecked me pretty bad. (laughs) Um, I was going to say, so you went from a trail (laughs) half to 30 miles and and not all running and not all with the intention of running 30 miles, but that's kind of the progression or... So we did that one day and we we did Mount Humphreys in Arizona from the back. And so it was like a big power hike up. And then we ran a lot of the back end of it on the way back down. Um, So it was definitely a mix of hiking and running, but I had moved 30 days on my miles on my feet that day unintentionally. We didn't plan that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying your prior longest distance was 13 miles. The half. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And so at that point, you were probably wrecked, I'm assuming. Oh, you think I was bad? My poor friend Vanessa was living her best life that day. She was not happy. <laughs> happened, happened. Even Regis was pretty wrecked from that run. Um, so yeah. no one ever take the back way with Regis. <laughs> so um, <laughs> then at that point, I was like, oh, okay, like I can do that. And so I signed up for my trail uh, 25K that fall. I trained for it. Um, that's when I was living in Nashville. I trained at Percy Warner there, you know, ran a whole bunch. I ran, I, my longest run was 14 miles for like a 15 mile run. So I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And that race is, ends up being 18 miles because of the way they had to map it. And that's, normal for trail races. They're never exactly as long as they tell you they're going to be. And I was defeated. I felt so, I just was so mad. I like was so frustrated. I didn't even have a, it was just dramatic. You know what I mean? But when Mm -hmm. you do something new and hard, it seems like the hardest thing in the world at the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hard is hard. It's all relative. Uh, And I knew though, at that point, like I knew I wanted to run an ultra marathon. Like that was on the horizon. That was a plan. And then when I did the whole thing where I like quit my first PhD program, decided to launch my business, just ran a 25k to 180 with my life. I was like, okay, I'm gonna run an ultra. And that's when I just decided that spring that I was gonna run an ultra. And I was too scared to commit to sign up. Um, before I let myself train for I think like six weeks before I committed to it. I like didn't trust myself. You know what I mean? Which is very not yeah. me. Um, which I think the me that you guys know now. But I trained, I remember I have a photo on my my Instagram in Louisville the day before I moved to Georgia and I went and ran in the treadmill in Regis's old apartment building. And I was like, first day of training. You know what I mean? Like that was my goal, first day of training um, for my ultra marathon. And then we moved to Georgia and I just ran. Like, you know what I mean? Like I trained, Mm -hmm. I actually trained very, very hard for that 50K, probably harder than I may have trained for some other stuff in between it. I mean, I always train really hard, but by just pure fear and terror of 50K (laughs) distance. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I ran my first 50K that April of 2018. And then my second one, September of 2018. And at that point, because Regis and I obviously like we do a lot of mountain outdoor stuff. We st- I kind of got a lot more fit, a lot more quick. That was fun for Regis. We started taking bigger trips, having more runs. I would crew pace, meet him in on things on runs, go like, you know, anywhere from 10 to 20 miles in a day just to ke- 
to like catch up with him or do things with mm-hmm. him. So it became more of a, it's just something that we do together. Right. And at that point in time, I was like, okay, I think I really like more challenges, more mountainous races. And that's when I, that Thanksgiving, I signed up for Quest for the Crest, which is they call it the hardest 50K in North America or the second one. It's up there. It has like 20 some three something thousand feet of gain and loss, um, over 35 miles. And I did that that spring. I did a 27 mile race leading up to it. I count that as an ultra. It technically was, it was like a marathon for sure. Marathon kind of, um, I did that Mm -hmm. in my training for quest for the crest. And then I did my first 50 then, um, that fall. And then I took some time off and then I just decided this February, um, I was going to run a hundred K. And so that's where, that's kind of where we went. I went from like, okay, I'm going to run. I just, I did take about a year and a half to train. I would say for that. I didn't, I did take baby steps to get to my first 50 K, but I definitely had enough of an athletic base that I was able to like, kind of just get into it, you know? And then once I did them, I was able to just keep doing them. And I'm also a little bit insane. Wait. So did you say that you did a 50 K your first 50 K in 2018 and then another one in the fall and then Christopher? And then another 50K? So I did my first 50K, April 2018, my second one, September of 2018. March 2019, I did the 27 miler. May, I did Uh Quest for the Crest. Uh And then September of last year, I did the 50 miler. Oh, 50 miler. Okay. I think you just said 50K. Oh, sorry. Yeah. That was my 50 milers. That was my big big goal of last year. Yeah. Um, Great. Okay. So we'll just leave this in, I guess, correction that um, the last race – you did three fifty Ks, then a fifty miler, and three fifty Ks, a fifty miler, a thirty seven miler, and then a hundred K. Yeah, because I did Got a thirty seven miler right. as, and this was one of the questions I think people asked. My thirty seven mile race I did last month was my peak week. I planned that to be my peak mm-hmm. week of my training. So that's the longest run that I did in preparation for my hundred K. But I also just did a race. There's, it's, yeah. I think they say. Uh, Running lo- lo- running shorter distance ultras and training for a longer ultra is like drinking water underwater. Like, <laughs> just, just like- I also think too, um, and this is something with triathlons, and a lot of people do a half Ironman to prepare for the full, you know, and they just put that in their schedule. A lot of it too is um, that you know, as much as you try to make your training runs like your race runs, it's never quite the same because when you're on an actual race, I feel like, and this is my experience, I'm sure it's similar to to yours, but um. Don't want to project here, so correct me if I'm wrong. But you have all of this extra like adrenaline and excitement and maybe nerves and it like puts a little more pep in your step than any kind of training run you try to make hard, you know? Oh, racing day, race day is the best fucking day ever. I only yeah. train to race. If racing wasn't yeah. that much fun and that awesome and so, so just, it's so special, I would never do yeah. it. Training is fucking bullshit. I hate it. I hate training so much. <laughs> People give me so much and they're like, why would you run ultras if you hate training? I'm like, it's about mental grit and tenacity. But also like besides all right. the cheesy things that I use exercise for as a me- mental tool and physical tool or whatever. It's also mm-hmm. just like it gives you the physical fitness and I'm bit really big on like uh physical fitness is can be physical freedom and it gives me the ability to do these things that I think are like cool and crazy and fun. So, yeah. I I train only for race day. Race day is magic. <laughs> um even if Amazing. it's not a good day. So, yeah. The Messy Middle podcast will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. You guys are always asking me, "Liz, What the heck do you do on your long runs? And Kate has recently converted me to Audible. With Audible, I'm able to combine my two favorite pastimes, running and learning. If that isn't the most Alyssa thing, I don't know what is. I know, right? So Audible has helped carry me many, many miles with audiobooks and podcasts. And the best thing about it is I'm able to download them directly to my phone and listen to them while I'm offline, running through the woods in the middle of nowhere with no self-service. And since I have a reading list approximately as high as I am tall, there's no other way I'd be able to consume so much with how busy I am. That's exactly why I love Audible. I've been a member for years now because I honestly cannot read enough books if I have to sit down to read them all. Audible has been a godsend because I can listen to audiobooks while I'm cooking, working out, or walking my pup Rocky, but my favorite way to use Audible is as I'm going to sleep, and you guys, I recently found out that Audible has bedtime stories narrated by none other than Nick Jonas and Tony Shalhoub, who you may know as the character Monk. Their voices are like so perfectly sultry and like they really guide you off to sleep. It's incredible. 
So every month, members get one credit to pick any title, no matter the cost, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news digest and guided meditation programs. Dare I say, by no other than the Pete Diddy himself. If that doesn't scream littlest meditation, I don't know what does. The Audible app is available on all smartphones and tablets, and you can download titles to listen offline anywhere and anytime. You can start listening today with a 30-day trial. You get one title plus two Audible originals for free when you visit audibletrial.com slash messy middle. That's audibletrial.com slash M-E-S-S-Y-M-I-D-D-L-E. Are you confused about what supplements you should actually be taking? In a world full of juice cleanses, detox teas, fancy promises, it can really be hard to trust anything. But high quality supplements when dosed appropriately can actually help support your fitness goals. And that's why I use Legion. I've been using Legion supplements since the beginning of this year. And after years of never really fully committing to one single brand due to lack of transparency in their labeling, unnecessary fluff, or just reporting things as blends and not knowing what's actually my product, I finally found a solid science-based product line that fits my supplementing needs. Legion's products are 100% naturally sweetened, and my favorite part, they are fully transparent in their labeling, and they use dosages that are actually backed with what the science says you need to be effective and support your fitness goals. And not the least amount you can get away with, and not just labeling as blends, but fully transparently telling you what's in your product and why they dosed it that way. And this is huge, because it lets you know exactly what you're taking and if it's actually going to be effective, and then you can know what's going into your body. My personal favorites are their cinnamon cereal whey. Yes, it tastes as good as it sounds. The mocha cappuccino plant protein. Pulse, their pre-workout, which comes in non-stimulant or caffeinated stimulant based. And Recharge, the recovery blend, which also gives me the creatine I need to move weights well in the gym. Legion offers 100% money back guaranteed if you're not happy with their products. And you can save 20% off your first order today with our code MESSYMIDDLE at checkout. That's M-E-S-S-Y. M-I-D-D-L-E at checkout to save 20% today. So we've recapped all of your races, including um, a trail half and then a few 50Ks up until your 50 miler. And then you did a 37 miler in preparation for your first 100K. And this, I remember because we were friends when you did your first 50 miler. or yes. 50, Yeah, 50 miler. Yeah. And... I remember there was this moment of, am I going to actually do this race? And you had this like, I mean, life was crazy. Um, and so, you know, sometimes life gets in the way and we don't get to train with all of the intention that we wanted to. And I remember you having maybe like a week of figuring out if you were going to full send it on this 50 miler or not. And so I'm asking, you know, how, how was your mentality the same or different going into your 50 miler and having those kinds of like doubts and then ultimately showing up and fucking crushing it, by the way. Um, how did that compare to like your pre-race season for your 100K? Yeah. So I think I'll personally, as a person, I've changed a lot from last year to this year um, in good ways. Last year, I was I was terrified terrified of that 50 miler. Like I was so scared of it. I was also really scared of Quest for the Crest to give you guys in context that even though it's a 35 mile race, it took me 13 hours. It actually took me longer than my 50K because it was so Mm -hmm. hard. It was like a real mountain crazy. And I had a bad day that day. Um, So I was, I did two really big races last year and they both really scared me. I was terrified of them, but I didn't, I mean, for those of you, the context, um, Kate and I became friends that July. And over the course of that month, we became friends, but she watched like, um, my grandma fell, broke her hip, got sick, went into the hospital, went to another home. My brother got, I moved my apartment. My brother got married. I came back. My grandma got worse. I went to fly out to go see her. My flight was canceled, came back, flew back two weeks later. She was unconscious, like missed seeing her before she got to pass, flew back, um, was training for my semester started. Semester started. Yeah. I'm in the middle of prepping all this stuff. Um, then I fly back again to see my grandma that, yeah, right as the semester started, come back. It's Labor Day weekend. I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford a flight to go see my grandmother, launch a new training program so I can buy a flight to see my dying grandmother. This is or go to, this is how dramatic my life is. Like, I'm not making this up. Yeah. Um, and she passes away, comes back in two weeks. I'm running a 50 miler. So I remember being at the airport and I texted Strong Lake Shelby, actually, because we've been kind of like internet friends this whole time. And I was talking to her. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to do my race. I was so stressed. I was so exhausted. I felt tons of guilt about missing my grandma. And I don't remember if this was the flight that was canceled 
or the next one. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I think it was the one that was oh, – I don't remember because they were like two weeks apart. Um, yeah. But I just remember really thinking like, okay, I'm not going to run this race. It's too much. I'm too stressed. I'm. It's too crazy. It's like – I. It's, and I think I had so much self-doubt and fear that that was magnified by everything going on in my life. I mean, I, have, I had every reason not to run it. You know what I mean? No one would have yeah. said anything otherwise. But – I think what I just ended up doing was I just stopped lifting. I just was like, okay, this is a big goal that I have. And I just gave up lifting because I was like, I don't have it, anything else in me to give but this. And I was like, you, I really only have a couple weeks of training left. And they weren't – they ended up falling short of the total goal. So I basically bargained with myself. And I was like, okay, because Labor Day weekend, we always do this group run with Athens runners. And we go up to this one trail. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go do this run with everyone. And it was a 28-mile run. And I was like, if I can do that run and I feel okay, I'll do the 50. Like that was my bargain with myself. Mm Because I, for some reason – and you watched me. I really did keep training. You know what I mean? Like I didn't – I mean some of my midweek runs were less than ideal. And I was traveling and I really cut my lifting. But I was still running as much as I could. You know, it wasn't – Yeah, from an outside perspective, it seemed like you were still – even if you had those doubts, you were still like, okay, well, if I have these doubts, let's see how far I can get at least, right? You know, like that was the mentality. Yeah. And so then I pretty much did that and I was like, okay, I'm going to do this 50. And it ended up being, um, and it was one of those things too, where my grandmother was one tough bitch. So I was like, you know, I'm going to do this for Helen, Helen's strength. Um, and she would have, she would have never wanted me to have not done that. And I know that logically. And I'm not like, I just didn't shut down when that happened. Everyone grieves differently, but Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to show up and still do this because it doesn't, for me in my mindset, I was like, it doesn't change anything. You know what I mean? And my taper, she passed away during my taper. So it was like, fine. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really, mm-hmm. it, it it was just fine. Um, And so I know people are probably like, this is a psycho, but I saw it coming. It was like a three month thing. Everyone, I'm okay. <laughs> um, And at that point in time, I showed up to my 50 and I was so nervous before it. I puked. I always puke before races, but um, I crushed it. I had such a magical, perfect, amazing day. The whole thing was so good. And so I feel like I had that same feeling with my 50 miler as I did with going through comps this year. Um, Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I don't know, getting through comps this year and the pandemic and everything, I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm a whole new woman after getting through all that. I I just, I just have a different mindset. And I just also think that I've just been so emotionally I just don't have those big swings as much. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like mm-hmm. I just don't have that anymore. I don't know if grad school's robbed me of joy or <laughs> I just am not driven by fear. It's just, it's a weird thing for me to not be driven by fear. Like, cause that's yeah. drove me for so many years. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I signed up for this hundred K. I wanted to do this hundred K after my 50 last year, but because of everything with my life, I didn't. Cause I just, I was just going to retaper into it. And so mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to do it. And I was bummed that I didn't, I, my body felt fine, but I just knew it wasn't a good choice for me personally. And mm-hmm. when Jason reached out to me, who I trained first, first marathon and first 50K last year, he sent me the link. He's like, you want to do this? And he's like, I'm going to sign up. And I just, I'm the best and worst kind of friend you can have. So I just signed up. I was like, okay. Like, and I just was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll do this with you. Like, I was like, sure, whatever. And I planned at the time, this is pre-pandemic. I was like, oh, I'll be through comps and my proposal. Ha, 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 ha. Jokes. None of that yeah. happened. So the pandemic <laughs> ended up screwing my entire PhD timeline. So I was like, oh, that's perfect training. Comps will be over. My proposal like will be done before the peak of training. Like this is perfect. And nothing mm-hmm. of that went planned. But it ended up being all for the better because it really did give something to ground me the whole year and work towards. Like I'm very yeah. fortunate. I still have something to work towards this year. And I know that like not everyone's situation is different. Um, but I just knew that it was such a big – big different goal and it's a really hard race that I knew that I really had no choice. I There was no room in the equation for fear. I didn't have time for it. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. sounds so bad, but I didn't have the time for that self-doubt crippling fear. I just kind of knew, I was like, unless I blow up, if I train like hell, I can do this thing. Like I just, knew, I don't know mm-hmm. what's crazy because it's such a big distance and it's so far and it's so different than anything I had ever done before, but I just really trusted that it would I don't know. I have, it was just such a different feeling this whole year. And training wasn't emotionally as like, I, my only goal this year was to not hate training by the end of it. Like I always Mm -hmm. hate training and resented it by the end of every training cycle. And so I didn't know, like I had in mind, like my race kind of been canceled. I could have got COVID or something really crazy could have happened because it's 2020. So I'd never banked on the race actually happening. You know what I mean? Like I never put my weight in the idea that the race would happen. So I had to like accept that I was going to give up fitness in other areas that I really care about for this goal that might not happen. 
And I also had so many other big things going on with my life that like, I just didn't, I I didn't have time to be emotional about the entire thing. I had to just Mm -hmm. do the work. I just had to show up and do the work. And I trained and I was training so much that I just, I just did. I don't know. I just, I just did it. I'm actually so impressed with how hard I trained this year. This is the hardest I think I've trained in my entire life of all athletics, everything altogether. Mm -hmm. And I just really, it was, I remember telling my coach in like late July, August, when like things got really hard before they kind of peaked and tapered. And I was like, this is the most uncomfortable I have been in every area of my life constantly. My business was growing. I was going through comps. I was working on my proposal. I was training for 100K. Mm-hmm. Like it was just so much growth. I was not even scared. I was just so fucking uncomfortable in everything I was doing, but I wasn't fucking yeah. any of it up. You know what I mean? Like normally my imposter syndrome would be like, you're going to fuck up. But I was like, Alyssa, you're doing all of this and you're doing it you know, fairly well. And it was just, I had yeah. to oh, yeah. into that work and trust it. And like, I just... I don't know. Uh, For some reason, once I got through comps, I was uncomfortable still, but I just learned that like, I was like myself, myself fear, myself, like my self-limiting fear was so self-deprecating that it was almost selfish. And I kind of just got over that. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, holy shit, you've been running your whole life like this for years. It's stupid. So I don't know. I was just so uncomfortable, but I just was working really hard towards this goal that was just I don't even think I conceptualized what I was trying to do when I was doing it. I just knew that I had to train like hell for it. That's all I yeah. knew. And I just, yeah. I, I didn't have really amazing training sessions or really bad ones. I wasn't really injured. You know what I mean? Like it was just very neutral the yeah. whole year, but it was just, it was honestly, it was just putting in the work, the reps, the yeah. miles. That's all it was. Um, And so it was just a very good lesson to learn. It was a different lesson. Like each ultra I think teaches you mm-hmm. a whole new lesson, but this one was, that was the lesson that it taught me. It was just a very like, put your head down and work year in every area of my life. And it's funny how I use ultra running to teach me that grit in all those areas of my life. And it's funny how it like gives me that when I need those lessons the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like divine intervention, how everything that you need, you know, can show up and prepare you in this, you know, in your training for this race. I mean, that's really amazing. And I love hearing that like you're able to come uh, from a different place, like not a fear driven place, because I think that can be really motivating, right? People get really excited and nervous and like they commit to this big, scary thing. But that I feel like that will never beat coming from a place of like, I'm just fucking doing it, you know, and yeah. I'm just committed to it. I think I just got emotionally sick over the emotional. It just emo, it, I emotionally exhausted myself at some point. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm just like sometimes I think grad schools just rob my soul a little bit or maybe it's just that like <laughs> I, I mean, I just keep. I don't know. There's like only so many times that you can do hard things in a row before it's like just the boy who crawled, cried wolf. Like, oh my God, I can't do it. Like, I, Alyssa, you even mm-hmm. fucked anything up yet. Like, get over yourself. Like, that's kind of mm-hmm. like once I got through comps, it was like that. And my 50 miler was such a big, scary thing to me that at that point, I was just like, I don't know. Like, I just think I had that imposter syndrome with being an actual trail and ultra runner. And I think with being social media and Instagram known, mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. like a traditional runner. And I felt really insecure about that because I'm like, I'm not, like, I'm known for being a runner, but I'm not super fast. I'm not elite. Like, and like, it's almost like I felt like I couldn't exist in those spaces without being those things, but I was doing it and I wasn't yeah. bad. I wasn't terrible at it. Um, and so I just like kind of got over all that this year and was able to just like, I don't know. I just, I trusted myself for it. I yeah. just trusted my training. I trusted that I would show up and do the work. I never, I think I missed two long runs. One, um, one, because we we just screwed up when we were in Colorado on our days. And then I missed four lifts, two of which because I was at a funeral, one because I was sick. So like that's all yeah. the training I missed this entire year. I just was yeah. steady. And how did you prepare for that? So speaking of like, what's your preparation when you sign up for a race? How far in advance do you program yourself typically? Um, and like how, like, of course, you're just saying that you didn't miss workouts, but like how flexible do you allow your schedule to be in order to hit those markers? Yeah. So I signed up in February and I had started running a little bit before that because I did the Grand Canyon with uh, that girl Reagan over spring break. And I think I was up to 15 miles at that point per week, which isn't anything mm-hmm. crazy. I just kind of went full sun on the Grand Canyon. That was just a casual thing. Um, but then <laughs> once we got back from there, I planned – I'm very intentional with my training. And because I do the hybrid approach, which you guys are aware of, the way I approach my training is I try to conserve as much – 
lifting volume as I can, as long as I can. So early on those first few months, I was still doing a lot of CrossFit. So I wasn't doing as many miles, but I was still doing a lot of cross training. Like I was still doing like Mm -hmm. aerobic and anaerobic stimulus conditioning. So I never really counted that in my training volume, but it was there. So I think I was, I did a, where I ramped up from like March in lockdown because we stayed in the trails and stuff into April. I think I was ramped up to like, I think I stayed at like 20 to 30 mile weeks consistently from April through May. Like I really think I just, I just stayed. I never went above it. It just, I felt like it wasn't necessary and I was still doing maybe two wads a week at that time. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've been doing, you know, plenty of conditioning. I was doing a lot of like lifting and then running after, like I'm still doing a ton of CrossFit. I would go for like a three or four mile run after the wads. Like looking back, I'm like, I worked really hard. Um, And then once I got into June, that's when I started to like, you know, you're starting to get into that closer, that peak three months, that like three months Mm -hmm. of really hard training that you kind of do before races. Um, And so I started to then move into like 30 to 35 mile weeks, late June. And then what ended up happening is because my comps happened um, and they finally, they finally happened. I was so stressed (laughs) and so busy with that. I didn't do any wads and I didn't increase my running volume. I think I stayed at like 35 mile weeks um, for that period of time in July. So I actually didn't progress as much as I wanted to in July. So that's an area where like, I, I didn't, I didn't progress, but I didn't like drop, let myself drop. If that mm-hmm, makes sense, mm-hmm. like I just maintained. You just like, maintained. Yeah, it's easier to maintain than it is to gain back, and that's like always been sure. my approach. But I still showed up for the days. It just wasn't as many miles because um, mm-hmm. some of those runs were. I just didn't have the time during the week without studying. Yeah, um, yeah, and then I took comps and whatever. So I was still being consistent. I think it's important to with my long runs though, like I'm saying these are the miles I'm running per week, but the runs I'm doing on the weekends are so gnarly and tough out in North Georgia that they probably have a stimulus of longer than the distance they were. So like, that's important to keep in mind. So like I'm running Mm -hmm. 35 mile weeks, but my long runs across the summer would be like four to five and then five to six and then six to seven. Then they got up to being seven to eight hours. Um, yeah. Like terrain per- makes a huge difference. Elevation makes a huge difference. Like miles does yeah. not make miles anywhere, you know? Yeah. So I was doing like four to six hour long runs on the weekends and then also running three days um, during the week or one day on the weekend and then two days in the week or whatever and doing a long run in the middle of the week as well. So I had a really good schedule down. And then once I finished comps, um, I just really ramped up my training and over the next month. And then I think I just built up. I think my longest week was – uh. I ran a 55 mile week that included an eight hour long run um, up in North Georgia's mountains. And I think a 14 mile run in the middle of the week or something like that. Very hard week of training. And that was my peak week. That wasn't the week that I did that race. That was like two weeks before that or three weeks before that or something like that. And so I just built up to that and the long runs were just hard. And I did really, I mean, Kate, you saw me a few times on runs in the middle of the week and those sucked a lot, but that was like the way I decided to train this year was to do a middle distance long road run in the week and then a longer run on the weekends. And then my back to back runs weren't as long. They were only like an hour on Sundays. Um, but I was doing so much lifting that I was also running on fatigued legs during the midweek runs. And so I knew that my hundred K training needed to be a lot of time on feet and it needed to be a lot of like power hiking training and just different. So I did a lot more slow zone. I didn't do any speed work for this ultra because it just wasn't necessary. Like I just knew it wasn't necessary. The running that I did on the road was as fast as I needed to really train to be. Um, some people might disagree with that, but I'm a mid pack runner. So like, like, I don't know what you want from me. Like I'm not sprinting these things. Um, yeah, but it's also a year race so they can fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like not an elite runner, like get, go away. Um, but anyway, so what I would do is I would lift Monday, Tuesdays, and then Mondays would be my double day. And I would do, um, it ended up being that I would do like this loop, the passenger apartment, actually this like six, seven mile loop. And then I'd stair step. Like I started to do that. I would mm-hmm. start to build up that. So it was like, I would do that once the gym opened back up. And then Tuesdays, I didn't do any back to back. Cause that was the day that my, my coach would have me do a lot of step ups and sled sled work, which was very fatiguing, but very specific to like my ultra strength stuff. Um, and then I would take then Wednesdays or Thursdays, depending on the day. Um, I would do a midweek long run where I would do anywhere from eight to 14 miles, depending on um, the, whatever I was at in my training program. And then I would do one more lift, usually on Fridays, then my long run on Saturdays. And 
on back to back run on Sunday. So I usually would take a rest day. It ended up moving all over the week. Sometimes I would have to change mm-hmm. it because then eventually I started lifting Tuesday. I would just shift Monday and Tuesday to Tuesday and Wednesday. And then I was resting Monday. It kind of changed, but that was like my general schedule of what I was doing at the time. And I know people love to hear that. Do not copy me verbatim because you are not me. But <laughs> as a general idea of how I do it, it's looked different every single race. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, I was training. I think at the very end, I was working out 16 hours a week to get that all yeah. in. Which is a lot. It's a big demand, but I, you know, I prioritized it. You know, especially when you have a business and a PhD. Hmm. <laughs> a relationship. And Keeping like, in yeah. mind that I did comps and wrote my entire proposal during all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just, A, I want to commend you for that. Um, and I'm, I mean, here I am as a friend, like just being genuinely enthused for you that you worked that hard and that it paid off. So I just... Sorry, I'm going to get sappy and now I'm going to stop. Okay. But (laughs) (laughs) I know a lot of people were also interested in kind of the like really uh, nuanced things about running 100K and how you prepare for that. So for people who don't know, uh, you're going to be racing overnight, right? Like you have to run through the night. So you also need different types of gear so that you can fucking see where you're going. (laughs) And there's like just that extra pinch sprinkled in of like exhaustion and fatigue from being sleep deprived because you are running for it ended up being 23 hours straight right so how did you either mentally or physically or what kinds of preparation were in the works for you when thinking about those extra factors for this race so I think it's – I'll acknowledge to give you guys some context. Cloud Splitter 100K that I did is a one of the harder 100Ks on the East Coast, um, at least by what Regis has told me standards, I think, from what I've seen from other trails too. So not all 100Ks would take that long, but I knew that that one would, if that makes sense. So like my 50-miler took me 12 – a little under 12 hours, and if I was running maybe 63 or 4 miles on that course, it probably would have maybe taken me, I don't know, maybe – 17. You know what I mean? So I yeah. knew going into this race based off the course, I looked at like runners and just like finishing times. And like, I usually look at the middle finishing times. Cause that's usually where I fall, like right in the middle, maybe a little above. Um, and so I like knew that it was probably going to take me 24 hours. And I was aware of that the whole time I was training for it. So like, I like to like, get an idea of like time on feet wise, what I needed to do. So they say about 50% of your, try to get at least one run. That's 50% of that. So I didn't quite hit that. The longest run I did was nine hours, which I think is fine. It was 37 miles. It was over 50% of the distance. Um, I didn't really have the capacity to do anything bigger than that. I would have loved to have done a 50 in preparation, but I was too worried that that would have blown me up. So I was just being conservatively, but in a strategic way. Yeah. And so, um, But what I did do though is a lot of those runs of what I was doing in North Georgia were like 19 minute miles of like dragging your ass, power hiking hard. Like the where Regis and I train is what we've determined is the hardest section in North Georgia to hike. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's like you're running some of it, but it's rocks and scrambling and like you're climbing like like a, a it feels like 700 feet per mile. It's crazy. It's very, very <laughs> steep. It's hard. It's really hard training. Yeah. And yes. so I just, I trained with Regis all summer. I went on these runs with him and I pushed at his pace and they were like six hours and I just practiced eating and moving. And like I lifted Fridays beforehand and then I'd run Sundays after and I would run those midweek runs um, the days after or around, you know, those heavier lifts that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so I really just I, anytime my legs were fatigued or tired when I was training, I was like, good. Like that sounds so counterintuitive, but I was like, good, like good. My legs are tired. And I never had like crazy sore doms because I do a really good job at dosing my volume and I do Mm -hmm. a little bit more power style training and Noah's amazing at coaching and he worked with me really well. But, um, I, at any point in time that I could utilize my fatigue to dig deep, I did. That's how I really prepared for that race. So I hate doing longer runs in the midweek. Like Kate knows that Mm -hmm. I don't like road running enough to run 10 to 12 miles in the roads, but I was doing it every Wednesday or Thursday, every Wednesday or Thursday. And that I think was a huge thing for me because that was like, those ended up getting easier towards the end. Um, But I had to really dig deep to get those in. And just being fatigued and like even the like doing the stair stepper after my running, I just really utilized just moving when I didn't want to move. That's the way I thought of my training is like mm-hmm. how much moving. So I think people ask me a lot like total time on feet. And I think the most hours I moved in a week was probably 13 or 14, I guess. I, I think something like that. Um, and then mm-hmm. like three hours of lifting, that's probably the 16 hour weeks of training that I had. Um, but it was just like, how do I 
move when I'm tired and fatigued. And really I didn't, I had a lot of, I mean, people think you're motivated, but I was so unmotivated for so many of those runs. But it was like this weird thing where every time I was unmotivated, I was like, good. Like that was my response. That's a perfect time to train, right? Because if, I yeah. mean, if you're really trying to, you know, uh, and I don't like this word because I have a background in sports psychology, but it's fine. If you want to be mentally tough, <laughs> right, then you need to prepare yourself and put yourself in situations where you have to practice that. So I yeah. think that's a great way to to view it as like, oh, I'm tired now. Great. Now is a perfect time to train because I'm going to be tired in the middle of the night when I'm running. <laughs> yeah. So anything that possibly like wasn't great, like I didn't have like a super magical running season, but I never really hated running or resented it. I was just comfortable mm-hmm. with it. I think a lot of that came with experience and like comfort and knowledge and just knowing like I don't know I feel like I can turn my brain off a little bit more now than before. Yeah. Um. On those long runs, like I don't have to be as like aware of rocks. You know what I mean? Like paying attention, it doesn't hurt yeah. as bad. Um, yeah. You earned your trail feet, so you don't have to use your brain as much for it now. Yeah, I can just like ease in. It's like it's hard to explain, but you start and this is in ultras too, and this applies to what I did during my race. But instead of trying to avoid the pain and discomfort and whatever it is, like I'm not talking like injury pain, like I'm talking just like the like that it's hard, right? If you yeah. can just lean into it and befriend it, it's a lot more comfortable. And if you sit with it, then if you try to resist it and make it go away, if yeah. you accept it and you know it's there, it's like, oh, okay, like it, I. Uh, there's an analogy I can't even think of with that with life, but like it's kind well, of there's the the be the pain phrase. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's like, also yeah, there's also a quote. Um, uh, I heard it on like I think Hal Elrod's podcast uh, where he just talks about like the only time that you're uncomfortable in life is when you're not okay with reality. And so if the reality is it's fucking hard as shit, then just if you lean into that reality, then you don't have a problem. But the problem is when you wish that you didn't feel like it was hard as shit, you know? Yeah. And I think I just went, I mean, you can't, you don't sign up for ultras or these things and assume it. You're, you just, you know, what's going to hurt. Like you just kind of like, you mm-hmm. you know that you accept that that's part of the process, like in our sick twisted way. But when I talked about how I trained this summer, I mean, I was just uncomfortable the whole summer. Everything was hard. Everything was inconvenient. Everything was not good timing. Everything was difficult. Everything sucked. Everything hurt. I was tired. I was fatigued. I trained the hardest I've ever trained in my life. I think it's important to frame for you guys that I was also like, I PR'd my back squat for the first time since I powerlifted the summer while I'm doing this. Like I'm training hard and everything and I'm so uncomfortable. And I think that I just, I... I had gotten so comfortable with being uncomfortable at that point in time that by the time I got to my race, it was like my, I was like, hello there friend. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was just like, I've just sat with you for eight months. Like I I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to say that I'm like the most mentally tough person out there. Cause I'm definitely not. I have, you know, I'm, I'm not by any means. There's people who have way harder circumstances they have to face than grad school and ultra marathons. But for me, I just feel like that girl that I was So I, that like frail, scared, mentally weak girl that didn't think that she could run a 50 K, like she didn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. she, she didn't exist anymore. Like that wasn't, that wasn't even a thing. Fuck. Yes. I love that. Okay. So let's zoom in now to your actual race. Um, starting with just like the weekend that you're arriving, you know, to the destination and how you're feeling, um, basically give me the story up to the start line. Yeah, so Regis and I decided in the middle of the week that two weeks ago, I guess now, or last week, wait. It was a week ago, so a weekend, a couple days ago. This whole world. I'm keeping you on track. It's fine. I don't know. Everyone's like, does it feel like you've actually finished your race? I'm like, I literally don't know. I just got thrown back into school. Help. I don't think it's like, yeah. (laughs) I'm doing this podcast. I feel like it was a dream. It sounds so bad, but like, I felt like I just needed to get through it and get it done because it was like Mm -hmm. almost at that point, like I was just like, okay, look, I'm just doing this. Like I just got to get through this because I have so much to do and I feel like it really robbed a lot of that for me, which is bad. But anyway, last week Regis was like, hey, do you want to try to go up Thursday instead of Friday so we don't have to rush the weekend? And whenever Regis wants to do cute little things like spend time together alone or get an Airbnb (laughs) an extra day in a mountain city, I say, yes, I don't care. I'll pay whatever it takes. Oh my God. And so I'm such a, I'm such a, such a cheesy Ball of sound. I love it. But I was like, yes, yes, let's do that. And it's a lot less, it was a lot less hectic. It was fine. For um, sure. Yeah. So he was, so we were like, yeah. So we did all of our race shopping and preparation then um, last Tuesday. Yeah, last Tuesday. Um, mm-hmm. And then like Wednesday, we did the whole like pack, prep, prepare, count the food, pack the food, get everything. Mm-hmm. I overbought and forget your tailwind. Uh- and I forget my <laughs> motherfucking tailwind. Oh my God. And that's all. <laughs> Honestly, bless you, Bethany. 
because do you know what I live? We'll talk about this when we get to the race. Yes. I literally only drank tailwind that entire day. That's the only yeah. reason I was surviving that entire race. So anyway, that's the most no- – I didn't need half the shit I bought. I just needed that tailwind. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, we pack, prep, drive up to, to um, Virginia. Uh, it's beautiful. The race is in Norton, Virginia. So then I had all day Friday to just like chill. So – um, we had our, we had packed everything for the weekend, but we still needed to like actually pack our packs and like count our food and organize all that. So I went to a coffee shop and just like hung out by myself for a little bit without Regis. Cause Regis's pre-race approach is just not mine. He's so, I don't know. <laughs> he's so stoic and he does that shit all the time and it doesn't even face him or he doesn't express anything if it does face him. And I wanted to like, as much as people think I'm a big social butterfly, I do like to sit alone and be quiet and like reflect and think. So I went and wrote mm-hmm. a little bit on my proposal, got some coffee. Um, like worked on some, my race playlist, just, you know, like just spent kind of time alone, um, and just reflected and like kind of tried to gather my thoughts around what I was about to try to do. Yeah. And then I went back and did the whole, you know, Reed just wants, Reed just hates me when I'm racing. Cause I'm such an anxious, cr- crazy, sp- spazzy, like nervous wreck. Uh-huh. Um, and so I'm like listening to music and ignoring him and counting all my food and bagging it and prepping it and overthinking. And this is what I do. I know you guys think like, I'm like super neutral stoked the whole time, but then like, it's that the pre-race stuff that really gets me. That's where my yeah. like anxious tendencies really come out. And I can't help it because it's just kind of how my body responds. No matter how logic I am, logical I am, my body just is like panic. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. I think um, that's good to mention though, because so many people go through that and they think that there's something wrong with them or maybe they're not as prepared or whatever. But I get crazy race anxiety. So does Alyssa. Like, and we, we've done some hard stuff. So like, and yeah, I, can, I got racing anxiety, anxiety before the 37 miler I did, even though yeah. I wasn't even, I've been on the course and I ran 50 miles out there and I had done multiple 50 Ks. Like I just get nervous. I was a nervous athlete when I was an athlete. Like I've just always mm-hmm. been, my dad yeah. took me to lacrosse camp once and I puked behind a gas station. Like this is who I am as a person guys. Like this is like, I, like this is just who I am as a person. Um, but yeah, I was just super nervous and we went to the pre-race meeting or whatever. And I could, we just could tell I was getting antsy and he was like, he literally stopped me in the middle of the road. He's like, take a deep breath, Anne. He's like, take Aww. a deep breath. Like, he's like, he's like, I'm going to kill you basically. Not cute. He's like, I'm going to kill you. He's like, I'm going to kill you. He like, doesn't want anything to do with me before races because he's so annoyed at how dramatic I am. Mm. So this, which I'll carry on to a funny story here in a moment for the day before the race. So we go to the pre-race meeting. I meet Jason for the first time ever. And then we get dinner with Bethany, Jason, Regis's mom. It's a grand old time. We get Barbaritos, ironically, they had Barbaritos oh, yes. there, right? I thought that was an Athens chain, but anyway, they had Barbaritos. <laughs> um, and we chat or whatever, and then I go back and I just am like, okay, it's time to go to bed. And I actually slept a good bit the night before. I'm not going to lie. I woke up a lot, but I was in bed yeah. for like eight. Is that typical for you? Do you normally sleep well the night before or do you normally like have some uh, issues falling asleep? <laughs> I'm like kind of a really, really stickler where I get so nervous because everyone's like, get your best sleep two nights out, but then I'll put too much pressure on that. So I try to just like mm-hmm. get really good sleep the whole week before. Like yeah. I just try to sleep as much as I can yeah. the whole week Create before. a buffer as you can. Yeah. I just try to create, especially with this race because I'm like, uh, so I'm glad we had that extra night because mm-hmm. that allowed me, I think, to sleep better that night before the race. Um, mm-hmm. And then I did wake up quite a bit. I was definitely anxious. Um, I woke up literally at 5 a.m. to take my medicine because I knew I was going to throw up that morning and I wanted my medicine to digest before I threw it up. <laughs> so I literally woke up at 5, took my pills, came back to bed. And then Regis knows I'm nervous. And Regis is usually pretty much – I don't know how to explain this to people in the podcast, but this is just a funny story to describe what my morning of my race is. I love so it. I, take, I wake I wake up at 5 to take my medicine just so it digests so I know I don't throw it up because I'm like, okay, that's the only thing I was worried about was like that I wasn't going to be able to take like – you know, anything that I need to take so I don't feel like an asshole mm-hmm. the whole day. And people are like, what medicine is Alyssa on? Like, mind your medicine cabinet, people. There's nothing crazy. It's like Zyrtec. Um, but also, even if it was, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, like, fuck off. It's literally Zyrtec and, like, I – yeah. But anyway, it's like my Zyrtec and my birth control. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't want to throw yeah. these things up. Um <laughs> I don't know what happens when you throw up birth control, but I'd be too scared to find out. I just, I'd be like, I would take like six pills panic wise. I don't even know. Amanda, help. Um, anyway, <laughs> TMI with my followers, whatever. But anyway, so Regis is like, knows I'm, we have like a couple extra minutes to snooze. We're not really in a rush. The race is like, we, the race doesn't start till 830. So we have like actually quite a bit of time. We have like mm-hmm. two and a half hours. So we slept until like six. 
But it's like 5.50 and Regis is like actually being cuddly and nice to me, which is very rare in the mornings. He's usually just like, go away, Anne. Um, like not literally, but normally like when I antagonize him for stuff in the morning, like it's just, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. But anyway, he like goes to like, I guess like be cuddly and cute with me. And I literally acid reflux gag in my mouth and jump out of bed and run to the bathroom and throw up for the first time of the day. <laughs> like I'm like, nerves are here. And so oh, Regis no. is like, just like, this is why I don't even try to cuddle you in the mornings because you just throw up in your oh mouth. My God. So I like straight up and I don't mean to do it. Like I don't mean oh to do God. it. It's irrational. It's stupid. But my body is like, bitch, it's time. We're going to die. We're going to die out there. Oh, no. I, I literally just like – and because I was like very careful with what I ate for dinner the night before, I do think I didn't eat enough the day before. You know what I mean? Because I was so I – an- I was anxious the day before, so I wasn't super hungry. I didn't carb load like I should have. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I also like – for me at this point, it's a fine line between appropriate sports nutrition – fucking your stomach like that's my that's my choice right um i don't need sports nutrition advice guys i literally have taken advanced sports nutrition classes i'm going to doctor my stomach please do not (laughs) give me your unsolicited health advice i'm working on it um (laughs) perfectly said okay like i know all the right things to do but it's hard when your body like doesn't want to let you do those things. Um, so sure. Yeah. I know, I know that I throw up before races. That's a thing. I didn't throw up before my first few ultras, but apparently that's a new thing that I do the last four. Now I've done it. I have no idea why just is the new thing that I do. Um, and so I know I feel better kind of, and I know I'm going to keep doing it. I know it's a nerve driven thing because logically I feel fine. I know I can practice breathing and it would help. So basically what I do at this point is I know I'm going to, my body's going to try to make me throw up whether I have food in me or not. But if I don't have food in me, then I'm going to feel worse. So I try to yeah. sip on, I try to sip on carbohydrate things. I think I had like an applesauce packet. I'll get really mm-hmm. light things down my pie hole in hopes that some of the carbohydrate digest and trickle through, but then it gives me something to actually regurgitate. This is so gross guys. I don't care. This is what I do <laughs> because it actually gives my stomach something to get rid of other than just like me dry heaving. So it's, yeah. Or the better for everyone involved. I know this is going to happen. This is a thing. I throw up a few times. Um, finally, I go on the back porch. Regis is in the bathroom getting ready. He's like, I finally has been able to actually go in the bathroom to like brush his teeth and get ready for the day because I'm done puking in there. Um, I didn't puke like this much, guys. This is dramatic. It's like three times, whatever. <laughs> so I go on the back porch and I just, I just like lose. I just, I just, just puke a whole bunch, a um, whole bunch. And then I come back and I think that was the one that made me feel better. Um, I don't really think I ate a whole much. I don't really think I ate anything or drank home. I think I drank some stuff mm-hmm. afterwards. And Bethany came and I think Bethany coming helped me like just being to able to talk to someone and have it not be, I think the problem with races before races with me is that because Regis does his own thing, I'm so like isolated in my own head that I get so yeah. overworked and I don't mean to. Um, but I think once I had Bethany to talk to, I started to feel a lot, but I think it just distracted me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just distracted yeah. me. Bethany has to come to all my races now. Um, his <laughs> mom knows that I'm like this. So then we, you know, we get ready, whatever we go. We drive down to the start and um, we meet Jason. Bethany's there at the start. Regis, Regis's aunt and uncle surprised his mom and came down. So it was cool. And we're just all there. And at that point, I'm like, it's cold, but I'm like ready. Um, yeah. And it felt weird. Uh, but then you just, like, as soon as I start running, I'm fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. That's how my morning goes. So there you go, guys go. That's how I deal with my nerves. But people are always like, well, how do you deal with them? Well, I practice breathing and I just let myself vomit because it's who I am as a person. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit about Alyssa's preparation for this race. We are going to pick back up with part two, where we dive into everything that happened during the race that is going to air on Thursday. Meanwhile, we want you to live well, demand better, and stay messy.